Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and innovation in both consumer technology and consumer products. If you're enjoying this content, you could subscribe to my newsletter, theconsumervc.substack.com, to get each new episode and more consumer news delivered straight to your inbox. Our guests today are Seth Goldman and Spike Mendelson, co-founders of Eat the Change and Plant Burger. Eat the Change is a snack company that's on a mission to create chef-crafted and nutrient-dense snacks that are kind to the planet. Plant Burger is a plant-based burger restaurant concept that currently has 11 locations. Prior to going into business together, Seth is well-known for being the founder of Honest Tea and Chef Spike Mendelson was one of the top chefs on the show Top Chef and started quite a few restaurant establishments, including Vim Vicker, We the Pizza, Santa Rosa Taqueria, and my personal favorite, Good Stuff Eatery. I'm on the record that Good Stuff makes the best burger I've ever tried. I was so excited to have both Seth and Chef Spike on the show, not only because they are legends, but they also started each of their businesses where I grew up. Seth started Honesty in Bethesda, which is where I was raised, and many of Spike's restaurants are in DC and the surrounding areas. They are hometown heroes of mine. This was a thrill to have them on. Without further ado, here is Seth Goldman and Chef Spike. Seth and Spike, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you both? Doing great, Mike. Glad to be with you. Coming out of the 301 area code here. Yeah. <laughs> 301, <laughs> representing. Exactly. 301 and 240, yeah. right? That's right. That's right. I still have a 240 number. I didn't quite make the, the batch for the 301. So why don't I start from like the very beginning with both of you? What was your initial attraction to entrepreneurship and as well as food and beverage? You know, I come from you know, many generations of family that have been in the food business, specifically restaurants. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in it. I, I, you know, I was the kid you read about washing dishes uh, at his parents' restaurant and bussing tables and getting in in trouble. And I just grew up in the business. In fact, the funny part is, is I growing up in the business, it makes you not want to be in the business because you're like, you know, you're working weekends, you're working late nights, the holidays were always stolen from me as a a child because I was working at my, my family's restaurant. But over time, I found that it was a passion that I really loved. Uh, I think it was culinary school that kind of inspired me just enough to be more curious, uh, meaning I had gone to culinary school, but I had already had a very young career in food and beverage business. And um, at culinary school, I was surrounded by people that had never picked up a knife before, really. So that's literally all the confidence I needed to kind of tackle this. And listen, I went on to have a great career. And now I'm working with Seth in the CPG space. And we we also have a brand new restaurant that we're, we're growing. And it's a fun. Our business is entertaining. So it's good times. Yeah, and for me, I had—I um, definitely didn't have that kind of background. My parents were professors, which certainly doesn't strike you as entrepreneurial, but my dad was always creating different programs, whether it was academically or nonprofit. And so we had a little family business, which my brothers and sisters handed down to me, which was selling golf balls that we found in the woods. And we lived not far from a golf course. And so, you know, then I'd throw in, sell lemonade to the golfers as well. And that was as sort of basic as it was. It was actually a little business and I uh, just got my appetite for selling. And then I, I did a bunch of nonprofit work as well and creating things there too. So I've always thought of myself as, actually I've always thought of myself more as an activist. And then entrepreneurship is just the vehicle I've chosen to, to act on the things I care about. I love that. I love that. 
what do you feel like is maybe like the common thread when you think about maybe starting something new or just as you kind of maybe reflect a little bit on on each of your careers? I think it's always about really building an incredible team and community around what you're doing. You know, you can never really go at it yourself uh, unless you have a really, you know, a really good group of people behind you. So I always love startup mode because, and, I, and now I've been in startup mode with Seth, and it's great. We get to to kind of meet new people and and hire new people, to be part of the team, and build the community and and start from scratch. And I find if you do that right from the start, it can be very indicative of the success you're going to have in the future. Sometimes. You know, if you don't take care of that and build the real good team and real good community uh, from the beginning, it it uh, comes back to kind of to catch catch up with you. So, I agree with Spike. You got to have a great team. But for me, the common thread is it's always issues I care about. Like I think of myself as an activist. So, what are the issues I care about? Well, certainly climate change, health, public health, uh, and economic opportunity. And then, how do you structure a business to address those things? And so, one of the neat aspects uh, for me, which is new was with respect to the plant burger, the restaurants that we're launching is where we were already employing more than 100 people. And so thinking about creating economic opportunity here in the United States, that's, that's an issue I've always um, cared about. And of course, I have had employees, but thinking about how do we help, you know, uh, entry level employees, you know, make a, make a living and make a life and how can we support them on that journey? Yeah, I love this. I love this combination. You know, Spike talking about um, how it's so important of working with the right people and loving, you know, who you work with. Maybe that's like a common thread. And then Seth also talking about maybe externally on the uh, on the activism front too, um, of how not only working with great people but also giving back and being able to help other people as well, which I think is also you know really cool and very inspiring. I have to ask, how did you guys each meet one another? And what was kind of the moment where you wanted to work one another? Obviously, Seth in the CPG space, you know, Spike coming from, you know, extensive in the restaurant space. First of all, Mike, we have to get you to Plant Burger because I know you're a big Good Stuff fan, but we need to also equally blow your mind with what we're doing at Plant Burger. So you'd be a good test. You know, Seth and I met by chance on a panel and really simple as that. And, and Seth was gracious enough and to bring some honest tea and uh, some Beyond Meat burgers and snuck them under my seat is, is how we tell the story. And he said, I heard you're, you know, I heard you're kind of, I think he said, like, I heard you're like the burger guy or Burger King or, or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, and he had no clue my wife was vegan, actually. And that internally at home, we were struggling on burger nights with the family because she wasn't too happy with me. But I took the product home and we, I cooked it. And, and then my entrepreneurship took over first and foremost. You know, I kind of reached back out to Seth, but then we were, you know, through, just kind of slowly working together, and I'll I'll, let, I'll throw it to him. We we were actually developed a really fantastic friendship, and uh, you know have both of our families involved in the businesses uh, here and there, and it's great. Yeah, Spike pitched me on the idea. He said, "Look, he he brought me over to Good Stuff Eatery, and we had a bunch of Beyond Burgers, and he cooked up some just amazing recipes, but all with Beyond Meat in them." And I'm, and he's like, "We should make a restaurant," and I'm like, "Wow, that's amazing." Uh, I love what I'm tasting. I have never been involved in, I have no clue to how to build a restaurant. Obviously, Spike does. I said, uh, and I had also some, I was actively, you know, an employee of Coca-Cola through my work with Honest Tea. I was actively an employee of Beyond Meat as executive chair of the board. So I just couldn't um, get involved in a restaurant venture at that time. So I found some great proxies. My wife, who's always been a really smart, savvy brand builder, 
And then we recruited um, our son, who has been a phenomenal marketer, especially around plant-based diets, and they joined the business. And I kept a, a close eye on it all. And as um, when I was finally able to separate and create new opportunities for me with Honest Tea and, and with Beyond Meat, I got involved as a co-founder of Plant Burger. And we started to look at our sourcing, and we went visited a mushroom farm, and uh, I started seeing Spike's recipes. And my son came up with this great phrase, eat the change you wish to see in the world. And that was such an inspiring phrase. I'm like, that's a phrase we could rally around and we could build a brand around as well. And then Spike, uh, I approached Spike. So he pitched me on the restaurant business and I pitched him on the CPG business. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I also love that, I guess, Spike, you know, as you were pitching to Seth to kind of come on and start this with you, I guess that if you couldn't get Seth since he was so busy with other things, you then have to recruit his entire family, right? Yeah, 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 100%. What I love about the, our, like Seth's and my relationship and how it started, it happened very organically, like from start to finish. We didn't aggressively push each other to work with each other, just organically really, you know, and then when the moment came to and, you know, Seth kind of reapproached me that he was kind of ready to do something, it just happened to be the right time for all of us. So, and again, like I have to, I have to stress, it's like, you know, we are both advocates and we care about the food system. I, I like to, you know, cook delicious food and, and, and things, but it's been such a fun ride with Seth and his family. I mean, you know, Jonah is, you know, I wish he was here. I think he might still be in Israel right now or on his way back, but, but he is absolutely crucial to our business. He's kind of everything that we want Plant Burger to be about is is what Jonah is. The soul of the brand, yeah. Yeah, he really is the soul of the brand. So it's just amazing to see it all come to fruition, you know? Totally, totally. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about like the founding journey of Plant Burger 2. Obviously, the inspiration was, you know, kind of going back and forth about Beyond Meat and what you could do with a plant burger. Why did you decide to do it as a restaurant as opposed to like a CPG company, like Beyond? And kind of, how did you also think about like picking locations and all that kind of, you know, starting point for a restaurant? It's funny. So Spike and I had a lunch with the person who actually became our CEO of the business. We were just talking about it. And after lunch, we were just walking around Bethesda. And I'm seeing all these restaurants with four, or built where it had been restaurants saying, you know, for to let, you know, for rent, it's like closed down. I'm like, oh man, this restaurant business can be brutal. And, you know, these, there's, even though the, the sign says for lease, somebody's paying the rent, you know, because their business went out of, you know, out of business. And, uh, I was trying to think of a way to contain the risk. I said, why don't we reach out to Whole Foods? They have something called a friends program where they'll let you start up a restaurant inside of a Whole Foods. And it's obviously, if it, it's a much lower risk way to do it. You don't have to do the build out. You don't have to pay a monthly rent. You just pay a portion of sales. And I said, that's, if we want to explore this concept, let's, let's start there. Uh, and of course, we use Beyond Meat on the menu. So we weren't we weren't making new burgers. We we're just using Beyond Meat as the featured protein on the menu. And so obviously I, had, I have a little track record with Whole Foods through my years of experience working with them and reached out to the regional president. And we served, just like Spike did to me, we served him burgers. And uh, he said, this is amazing. We ought to try it. And what's so exciting, we went in, our first store was in Silver Spring, Whole Foods, we went in there to, uh, they had had a, a ramen shop that was doing about $3,000 a week uh, in sales. And we're in there now. And, you know, that store averages over $3,000 a day in sales. So, you know, obviously with that kind of success, Whole Foods was open to us expanding. Uh, and we have done that. We have now have 10 plant burger restaurants, but we also have opened up our own freestanding store as well. But it was a great way to prove out the concept for with a lot less risk and you know, obviously also really making sure our customer is, is close to us because 
we know someone who's at Whole Foods is disproportionately inclined to be at least, if not plant-based, sort of health-oriented in their diet and looking for the kind of things that Plant Burger offers. How do you think, when you're designing new products that are plant-based, how do you kind of think about what's better for you versus better for the planet? Specifically with Plant Burger, let's just say, it's a better for you burger from the point of view of a couple of things. I mean, first, it's loaded with protein. There's very little cholesterol in the actual burger, but it's better for the planet, right? The processing of the plant to create the burger is far greater, better for the planet for many different aspects. And I'll let Seth, uh, you know, lean into those a little bit because I, I do love listening to Seth talk about the redoing of food uh, and the undoing of food at times. So, um, you know, Seth, I'll throw it to you on that one, yep. Sure, yeah. So first of all, I think, not surprisingly, the meat industry throws that term out a lot. It's super processed. But frankly, you know, the way we make a product like a Beyond Meat, the way it's made, is the same piece of equipment used to make pasta. So if somebody has a concern about the processing of Beyond Meat, they should have the same concern about the making of pasta. Uh, it's just pressure, water, and heat used to make a Beyond Burger. It, obviously, the ingredient panel has more words on it than a, a piece of meat does. Um, but if you get under the hood and look at the process to deliver a, a patty of hamburger meat or any other slice of meat, um, that is a lot to that process that would people would find appalling. And, you know, I always say Beyond Meat, you know, offers people tours to see its facility you can't get into. Yeah. A meatpacking facility, certainly not with a camera anyway, um, because the, <laughs> they're so concerned about what people see. But what's interesting is with respect to Plant Burger, yeah, we wouldn't position it as a, it's not a health food restaurant. It's a delicious burger restaurant that is plant-based. To make a, a Beyond Burger, you use 99% less water, 93% less land, and 90% fewer greenhouse gases created to, to make uh, a product that's equivalent to you know a beef patty. On the eat the change side, it's a much different approach. So I call um, making a product like Beyond Meat, that's a redoing of a category. It's using science and technology and, and culinary art to create a new product. At Eat the Change, our, our consumer package product, we're undoing food. We're taking super simple recipes and creating and delivering food in a new form. So at Eat the Change, we've just launched these carrot snacks for kids. And what you might want to contrast them to is what are called fruit snacks. That Talk about a redoing. That's a process. The process to create fruit snacks, the fruit is a far distant <laughs> relative. Yeah. You know, I would say a, uh, a, cherry, a cherry growing on a tree would not recognize what is called a cherry fruit snack. <laughs> um, whereas our carrot snacks um, and what we've done and what Spike really did in an in, ingenious way was found a way to take carrots and make them flavorful and chewy uh, and, and shelf-stable in a way that could fit in a kid's lunchbox. And the first ingredient in that carrot chew is a carrot, and the second ingredient is apple juice. So that's a very simple and transparent way to make a food. So, you know, yes, there's a process to make those, but it's <laughs> the process is take carrots, soak them in apple juice, <laughs> and then dehydrate them. So people shouldn't always be afraid of the word process. It's you know, there's a, frankly, there's a process to making apple pie. There's, there's process in its own is not a bad word. And I think the meat industry has successfully, uh, you know, you tried to scare people with that term. I have to also add, Mike, I mean, we're never going to really get away from what we deem as processed foods. Like what kind of Seth said, we, 
We have so many people to feed in this world. So being able to develop a better for you processed food and better for the planet, also very important, is kind of what's happening in our world right now. We're, we're really seeing a shift on how, how our food system works, how farming works, how distribution look, uh, works. And there's a lot of people that are concerned about our climate, and most people don't really have an opportunity to take advantage or, or know how to contribute, right? And, and one thing we always say at Plant Burger and Eat the Change is you can contribute with your appetite. The foods you choose to, to purchase and buy and, and the brands you, you choose to support, it's really important. You know? So right now, actually, the month we just launched but today, actually, I don't know if you did your challenge, Seth. I did mine. <laughs> I uh, did. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's called the Incredible Planet Challenge, and it's put on by Eat the Change. And it's leading up to Earth Day, uh, where we inspire people to look at what their, you know, their, their daily appetites and switch things up a little bit. So today's challenge was, you know, switch out dairy milk for plant-based milk. As simple as that, right? You know, a couple other challenges would be, look, recreate a meal that you love in a plant-based way, for instance. So- I think people are starting to see, I know they are, that you can really make a difference by the foods you choose, and they can be very much better for you as well. So, And just to go back, Mike, to what, where I would, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I don't look at ingredient panels or, or think about how food is made. I do, even in my personal choices, but what I would pay attention to are ingredients. So, you know, I, I always look out for the organic seal whenever I can. I, I avoid, certainly try to avoid GMO ingredients. I try to avoid artificial ingredients or artificial sweeteners. So those are choices I think are, make sense, but just avoiding foods that's processed, I don't think that always leads to a healthy outcome for the consumer or for the planet. How did you decide to start Eat the Change and kind of what is it? What was kind of like the starting point for it? Yeah, well, so we'd been working on the restaurant. I saw Spike doing incredibly creative recipes in the restaurant. And I was actually sort of at this unusual point in my life because I, as I said, just left Honest Tea and was, you know, transitioning my role at Beyond Meat. So there was this kind of window where I think about, okay, I, I always, as I said, identify as an activist. Which path do I take? And so part of me was like, well, if I'm an activist, maybe I should be going into politics. And then I kind of <laughs> looked at the political arena and not just the quality of the dialogue, but what people were talking about. Like, eh, I don't know if that's, if I care about getting things done, I'm not sure politics is the most effective way to get something done. He kept coming back to climate change being such an imperative issue and thinking, I wish I could find a way. And I, I you know, I, I, I think it will be the defining issue, certainly of, of my generation. Like, what were you doing when this happened, and I want to, I want to feel like I did something, uh, and I'm doing something. And so then I had to think, okay, well, what would be the brand? What would be the product? And so the brand, as I said, just kind of hit me when Jonah came up with this phrase, "Eat the change." I'm like, that's the brand. Well, what's the product? I'm like, had to think about that, and I kept seeing Spike do all these creative things. I said, well, that you know, I don't know at the time what the exactly what the product will be, but I know who the the, the right person is to help create it. And so you know, with Spike, I. We had done this, as I said, visit with the mushroom farmers, and I said, "How?" said to Spike, how could you make mushrooms like into a delicious consumer snack? And I basically, gave, that was kind of the assignment. It was pretty, pretty open, open-ended, right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty open-ended. And, and uh, you know, I decided to go back, and we, you know, I've always looked at portobellos and cremini mushrooms as the giveaway in the back in the day in the restaurants is like if someone was vegetarian and they came in, you'd cook them something with a portobello, right? It was like the easy thing. It, it imitates meat, it's juicy, it's it's sears. So we started getting some portobellos and creminis and bun mushrooms in the office and we started producing this really amazing jerky. And 
the jerky had everything in it. It had molasses. It had brown sugar. It, it, it had, you know, it was one of, you know, such a tasty, very sweet jerky. And Zed loved it, right? And, and uh, he loved the idea. But then he kind of upped the ante with the challenge. And he said, okay, this is great. But if we're going to call ourselves Eat the Change and we're going to have these planet commitments we're going to have to eliminate some of these ingredients that you use, right? So we eliminated the top six cash crops, really, uh, that contribute to our most of our food. I think, Seth, what is it, 57%, 53? Yeah, 57% of all agriculture production is soy, wheat, potatoes, corn, rice, and sugarcane. Yeah. I'm like, well, if we're serious about biodiversity, let's leave those out of all of our recipes. So then I said, well, Seth, now you just left me with just with mushrooms again, which was funny. You know, I never shy away from a, a challenge, of course, with my background of on top chef and, and iron chefs. It had been something that no, no one had ever really challenged me to do, right? To kind of just throw out this group of ingredients that I've been using so much and just see what else is out there. And, uh, you know, with a little work and some research, we were able to get it done. We developed five really delicious skews of mushroom jerky. You know, as sweeteners, we used agave syrup, we used some maple syrup. Uh, and we were really able to produce a really delicious snack. That is also, we also concentrate on whole foods. So that's the other thing about Eat the Change, right? We, we love food in its native form, right? It's a, this is a little bit of what Seth was saying about the undoing of food, right? Why do we have to process jerky and you know mold it and, and so forth? So we take a different approach. Not that that's wrong, but, but um, that's kind of how we got started. That's amazing. With Eat the Change, how do you measure as well maybe some of the impact um, uh, since I know that is very that is very core to the mission. So it really is what we sell. Everything we're selling is planet-based, and so we literally infuse it in the product. So just to, uh, as an example, the mushrooms, one of the key pillars, we go back to uh, Project Drawdown, which talks about 80 solutions to address global warming, and they rank them. And the, one of the top things, so it, with respect to food, their top two are reducing food waste and switching to plant-based. So, of course, everything we sell is plant or fungi-based, and then with respect to food waste, with the mushrooms, we use the whole mushroom. We use this, the stem of the mushroom. We don't worry if it's bruised or oversized or undersized, the kind that wouldn't make it to a retail shop. We're taking it all. And then going back to food waste, we also look for crops that are super water efficient. So there's no water waste. And so we're, and it turns out that both mushrooms and carrots are some of the most water efficient crops on the planet. And that's just a great fit. The other thing we looked at with respect to how do we create the product is avoiding any waste as we make the product. So what's interesting, like we initially were trying to do a carrot chip. And when you do a carrot chip, you can't use the small parts of the carrot, you know? And so what's so neat about where we are with the carrot chews is we use the whole carrot, every little piece and every big piece. You know, aside from the greens, we're using all of the carrot. And, and so there too, it's great to avoid the food waste. So we're really trying to take all those into account. And so for us, selling more of these products means we're displacing other products that are not as planet-friendly. That's awesome. I think that you, you're both in quite a unique position in that you're building a national brand where you have these limitations, right? Eliminating the six uh, cash crops and looking at very efficient vegetables and, and fruits. How do you also think about on the education side, on, on educating the consumer. What we're doing with this campaign, the, uh, the Incredible Planet Challenge, which, by the way, you can find at eatthechange.com, this is a, a really fun way to enroll all types of partners, other brands and uh, lots of chefs, all helping them understand that our daily dietary choices 
represent our single biggest impact on the planet. And so <laughs> we've chosen all types. Of, so it's uh, social media. Uh, last week, we cut a, a recorded a sea shanty, which you haven't seen it is, is um, unlike anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's our annual sea shanty now, actually. Uh, it's a, a sec- our second year. <laughs> Additionally to what Seth just said, we look for those opportunities everywhere because, you know, the ethos of, of our brand is education in the food space, right? And, you know, I just look back at how many, you know, we just finished Expo West and it was two days of nonstop interacting with uh, people looking at stuff. And you get to educate people. You get to say, hey, listen, this pouch of carrots, which this is a true fact, you know, equates to one whole serving of carrots in your lunchbox, you know, and parents are like, whoa. And then another fact that we give them is like, hey, slightly cooked carrots are far more nutritionally available than raw carrots. So you're, you're, you're even giving more nutrients with these slightly cooked carrots. So there's bits and pieces where we can always educate, whether it's on the packaging, on social handles, or things like an Incredible Planet Challenge. That, that I think, is really at the base of what we do. So, But it doesn't come, you know, it's not an automatic. I mean, it's interesting. We even had a chat with a buyer who was looking at the carrot juice. He's like, well, you know, when I buy these snacks for my customers, they're used to seeing everything be the same shape. Have you thought about taking the carrots and maybe doing little dinosaur cutouts or something? I'm like, no, that's the whole point. <laughs> it's a, it, we, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, I remember that. Like little bunnies, you mean? No, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> it would be food waste. And, and part of it is you have to help people understand. We're not used to, people aren't used to it looking at something that's natural, but that's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, usually, you know, it's like people aren't used to looking at ugly fruit, right? Right. When those are just as nutritious. And yeah. usually they're the last on the shelf to actually get picked. What's been the reaction so far of Eat the Cheese? I mean, I tried carrot chews. I know we were talking about earlier. I tried carrot chews at an expo and really loved them. I thought they were great. But what's been the reaction so far when you, I know you talked about like that one buyer that wanted to do dinosaurs, but from buyers, from um, f- from consumers, I know, I know you just launched it at expo um, or just prior to it. What's kind of been like the, the, the feedback? So far, really positive. And it goes back to something I've always said, which is you have to be able to bring out a product as an entrepreneur, a CPG entrepreneur, you have to have something that's breakthrough different. We, we initially, uh, going back to my days at Honest Tea, when we were asked to develop a kid's snack, an Honest Kid's snack, we were looking at, could we make a fruit snack that has 10% lower calories or maybe some fiber? And we looked down there, but it's like, eh, that's not breakthrough better. That's just a little marginal increase. And so... What's so neat about this, I, I basically <laughs> said to Spike, I want us to have a presence in the kids' aisle, in the kids' lunchbox, but how do we make a product that is going to take that opportunity? And, and that's where Spike totally came with something just breakthrough different. It wasn't just incrementally better. It was a totally new pro- proposition. So that's, I think, the right mindset. Marketplace is too competitive for an entrepreneur, a startup, to just bring out a marginally better product. Got it. I mean, is that is that also your approach as well to launching new products? Like, how do you even think about as well about like different categories and, and kind of like that whole product development? Yeah, I have no interest in us doing anything that's a me too. That's the world. Life's too short. The world's too competitive to do that. So we won't enter a category if we can't create help create it. You know. So look at plant based jerky. It's been it's a super super small category, and there hadn't been an organic mushroom jerky out there. And so when we put Spike's chef crafted you know, touch on it, all of a sudden it's it makes it available to a much wider audience. As we look at other new innovations, we have to go uh, where others aren't going. 
And then if we can, you know, and the same with Honest Tea. We went out back in 1998, you looked at that beverage shelf and it was, everything was 100 calories. And so, you know, I wasn't interested in offering an 85 calorie drink and saying, oh, this is better. That, that's, that's too close to the competition. So we went out with, you know, initially just 17 calories per eight ounces and, and people just understood. And same with Beyond Meat. I mean, the world did not need another bad veggie burger. <laughs> Beyond Meat changed the whole uh, approach. It was moving to plant-based uh, protein in a way that replicates the taste of meat. That was unlike anything else that was out there. That makes a lot of sense. I also want to say, Spike, what's been the transition like as well? You built so many great restaurants and obviously you're a top chef. What's it been like as well making like the transition or, or also creating your own CPG product? What's been kind of different about, about that part of it? Listen, I love a challenge and I love being creative and I love doing things differently. It's a little bit dreamy as a chef to be able to have such a, well, one, you know, such a great guy like Seth to be in business with and, and learn the space. I'd say if I was going at this alone, I'd be in a very different space right now. Uh, I, you know, so it's, it's great to learn. It's kind of dreamy to kind of, as a chef, be able to put product and feed it out to the masses. You know, it's your restaurant. You get people to come in and, and it's great. But being on the shelves, you know, with such great reach, it's something that's really rewarding. And then the business challenges have been something that have, you know, have also been great to kind of tackle. You know, I love problem solving. I've, you know, and especially during the pandemic, I, I don't have to tell you, it was extra stressful trying to figure out how to grow a product through a pandemic. And, and then, you know, I've been on the road a lot in the last year or two. So we've been going to co-packers and, and co-packers and, and just learning about the entire process. It's something I'd never been exposed to. So for me, it's, it's, it's great. Did you raise outside capital for Eat the Changer plant? We did. That said, we put a lot of our own, you know, resources into it as well. Yeah, you know, you, you uh, part of it, the reason, the, the health, it's healthy to raise outside money because you want to just make sure your ideas are grounded in reality. So, like with Eat the Change, one of the first people I presented this to was my co-founder from Honest Tea, Barry Nailbuff. And Barry uh, is not someone to sugarcoat his tea or his words. And so <laughs> I wanted to make sure Barry thought this was a viable business and it was great. You know, he spoke to Spike and actually after speaking to Spike, he said, I want to put more money in. So we really wanted to make sure these ideas held up. Uh, but that said, you also want to be betting on your own ideas. And, and, you know, down the road, we may take in money from others, but no one will have any doubt that we are personally committed to this. This is not a hobby or a pastime. This is something we're, we're you know, we're betting on. Did you ever approach you know investors and maybe got uh, passes on investing in these two opportunities, or how did you also maybe do like your diligence process to kind of understand um, wh- whether you wanted to actually work with um, this person? I mean, like, listen, uh, <laughs> I've not only have I learned from my parents, but I've also learned from my own experience in the business. When you don't choose the right partners, it it, it can end up being such a headache and. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to work, you want to make a difference, you want to make a profit, but you really want to have a great time while you're on this, uh, uh, you know, on that on that journey to do it, right? And you want to be able to do it with the right people. And I go a little bit off of my gut, obviously, and I do a little research, and and you just take your time. Like I said, Seth and I, you know, we we kind of uh, you know did some, you know, we spent a good year and a half just getting to know each other, you know, and, and I was able to launch beyond, uh, you know, specifically, you know, with working with Seth, I was be you know, able to work with beyond meat a little bit, launch their sausage and, 
uh, cook for them here and there, and um, you know, you just get to know each other. And I think people r- rush way too fast into partnerships because they just see the dollar signs and yes like the money behind it you do need but there's money with the right type of experience and then there's money with the wrong type of experience and and you should always try to align money with the right type of of people that you want involved in your business uh and not just take a money grab so so yeah those are my two cents on it yeah yeah no i i appreciate that um so what is you know the the goal for Plant Burger, you said you have ten now uh, locations in in Whole Foods. You're now you also have one standalone location. Is it to become um, uh, to go national? Like, how are you thinking about um, kind of like the next phase for Plant? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to grow in a way that suits you know our growth plan, obviously, and and how we we want to execute. So as of right now, we we have fantastic opportunity with Whole Foods to grow into more stores, especially regionally here on the East Coast where, where we're at. We did open our first brick and mortar store in New York City, and we have uh, another three to four leases that we're, we're signing for brick and mortar. Um, so we're clustering up here on the East Coast. But I mean, to answer it you know, directly, Mike, we, we want to take this brand uh, across the globe. We see this uh, as a master brand, a brand that can really disrupt uh, our nation's fast food. Uh, improve, you know, farming practices and diets, and I think this is this is kind of what we lean into. This is what Plant Burger is for us. We 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 really want to, you know, we we're only as a, as effective as we grow. So we want to take it, you know, we want to go big. What's one book that has inspired each of you personally and professionally? You know, we have written a book called Mission in a Bottle, which is. Uh, about the building of honesty, and it's told in graphic form, so it's a really fun and accessible way to hear the story. One book I'm reading right now, which I'm really enjoying, is uh, Indra Nui's book, My Life in Full. It's not as much about a startup, it's really about um, her navigating the world of business as a, a woman of color, you know, from a different country, and ending up leading Pepsi. It's really inspiring. Those are a few. And then just another book I love, but doesn't really apply to business as much, is, is The Call of the Wild. I just love being reminded that we all have these wild instincts in us. And, and I always tell entrepreneurs, you've got to listen to your instincts. You can't, you know, so much of business is suppressing your instincts. And, and I think, especially as an entrepreneur, you've got to listen to your instincts as, as you navigate. Yeah. And for me, it'd be uh, Danny Meyer, uh, you know, wrote a book called Setting the Table. And I, it was very inspirational for me because I had had my chef blinders on for quite some time and just to be able to read a book that really shed a lot of light on what happens on the front of the house and as an entrepreneur and how to blend those. I thought that was such a good book. And then I did love Tony Shea's book, uh, the Zappos book. You know, I took away a lot of inspiration about building community there. I think he was he's one of the best to do it at Zappos. But then most recently, Seth, you, you gave us the good uh, extra guac. Love is free, guac is extra. It's by Monty Moran, who was the CEO of uh, Chipotle. Yeah, by Monty's, exactly, by Bondi. And it was a, a great book. We actually read it as a group, as a company, and, and it broke it down a little bit. My last question for both of you is, what's maybe your favorite piece of advice that each of you have received? You know, my best advice I ever received in my career was to be authentically myself. And I think it did me a lot of justice because it was given to me 
at a very young age, just to be authentically yourself. And, you know, it's funny, I, I always, over the course of my career, people are always like, hey, who does your brand? Who does your brand? Like your personal brand spike? And like, who who does this and that? Like, they're so good. And the funny part is, is I never had like one conversation about my brand, you know, what my brand is or to define it as it opposes to, to me personally. And I've always just felt just be authentically yourself and and that's what you should showcase, and that's who I am. What, what you see is what you get. So A good one for me is run the business like you're going to own it forever. Run it in a way that you can always be proud of, that is always about the long term. You, know, you never want to wake up one day and say, oh my God, why am I doing this stuff I don't believe in? You know, and so for me, this business, I, uh, Spike knows, why, why we, my wife and I have three sons that we're so proud of, and feel like are really well grounded. And, and I think, you know, with the brand too, I feel like it's the brand stands for what I stand for it. All the things I care about are as much as, as many things as I care about as I can infuse into the brand I've, I've, I've tried to do and never make that short-term opportunistic decision in exchange for, you know, a long-term sacrifice of, of what you stand for. I really appreciate both those pieces of advice. Seth and Spike, thank you so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Great to be with you, Mike. Yeah, great to be with you, Mike. And there you have it. It was amazing having on Seth and Chef Spike. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I highly recommend also checking out Eat the Change if you can. I tried the Cosmic Carrot Chews when I was at Expo West and thought they were delicious. And also very excited to try Plant Burger. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone. 